Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network. AfterBuzz TV, over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after-shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! The war was lost. Mm. The trees were The was uh, not cut. Oh no, the the that, your body I did, I did, I had to do it for you. <laughs> okay. oh, no. So you weren't confused who I was? Oh, God. Hi. Mm. Uh, welcome to the True best. Detective After Buzz After Wait, Show. Uh, that wonderful, wonderful theme song. Uh, if you're watching us streaming live, you saw Joe Flippo do the lip bite, the the, mm. the, the white man mm. bite. Oh yeah, which is that? Rules, <laughs> ladies. Uh, One, two, ladies. three, four. Um, <laughs> it's so hard to count and bite at the same time. Yes, <laughs> you're upsetting me. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, True Detective After Show. We have a full panel for the first time all season. Holy this is really good. I mean, for it was the third show. Um, yeah. I think Julie and I did it alone. Yes. Uh, it was it was very good. We did a very good job. I think we did. All right, last week. Before that, it was you and Katie Wilbert. Yep. Uh, now, and for the first time joining us, is Joe Sanfilippo. Nice to be here with you guys. Now, I, w- I would give him a ton of shit normally, except for Joe has a new addition to his family. Uh, do you really? We do. That's why I've been missing. We have a little Violet Fern. Yes. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So congratulations on Violet. Two weeks old. She's she's good. She's very cute. Yes. And I did, did not see her on Saturday, but I will come see her. Because you're good for crap. That's yes, why. I, I suck as a friend <laughs> and as a, as a host. Yeah. But also to my left, we have uh, a new addition. Uh, ben Bateman. What's up, everyone? Welcome, Ben Bateman, who is exquisitely dressed. Oh, it's nice of you to say. Do thank you. Handsome. He's thank very you. handsome. I mean, like that's between Joe and you. I gotta get out of here. But <laughs> he does. He does the bite the lip thing. I don't do the bite the lip thing. Yeah, so I wear a suit instead. You know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not saying the suit. The, the suit is not. We all have our moves, boys. Yes. We all have our moves. <laughs> and of course, it, to clarify, when I'm wearing a suit, I still do the. Lip. <laughs> <laughs> I just look a little classier when I do it. Okay. Right. And of course, we have the lovely uh, Julia Carley. Hello, I'm glad to be back. Hi, Hi everybody. Uh, so enough chit chat and cross talk because we are doing True Detective, not the following. So we actually have some things to talk about <laughs> and get into this. Oh, shots fired at the following. I'm still fired at following. Still firing shots. We're shooting a dead body. It's the, over. The show's canceled. We stopped doing it two years ago, and I'm still firing shots. All right. Uh, so uh, maybe tomorrow, episode three of Nick Pozzolato's wonderful series that I continue to like. Julie and I got into last week and how. Um, polarizing the show is still, and how episode one was very polarizing. People were sort of like, you know, half the internet was like, this, this is weird, and it sucks, I don't know, and half the internet was like, I love it. And I think that we settled in this episode two, and people were kind of getting into it a little more. Uh, people seem to like episode two. And when I say people, I mean the internet. I, this is my unofficial, my, my unofficial judge, <laughs> you know. The internet seems to think, but uh, I think people seem to like this a little better. 
Um, and now we're in the episode three, and I feel like we're we're going somewhere. Um, I've always said that this is sort of like a, a an eight episode movie, so I feel like people should relax. You know, when they like you know you give give this this full run before we can make full you know complete judgment on it. But I think I like where we're going so far. Um, I want to what I want to do is what we did the last time. I kind of want to catch us up and find out, figure out where we are in the case because there's a lot going on. Um, in these three episodes, and we're a lot, we're unpacking about each character. So I think we'll talk about where we are in the case in general, kind of set the landscape of the world, and then we'll go and talk about each character and what they're doing, and do our recap that way. Uh, Joe Flippo, um, I have not heard from you on this show at all. We haven't talked, we haven't talked off air about the show at all. No. So I don't even know. Just, just actually, just for just for you, and then we, just quick, quick opinions from you and Ben on where were you in the first three episodes in the show, the first episode, second, just just a general like thirty seconds. Don't take all day. It's one uh, You know, it's funny. I did not realize. <laughs> I want your opinion, but I want it very, very good. I really don't want it. But I for, want for it in a certain box for the kids. Um, I, I was. I've been. It's been interesting to me how much uh, a function of trust is is the cast that I. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I didn't know. I felt. I didn't know that. I felt that 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 uh, season to season, seeing the same faces was going to have such a psychological impact on me, or not seeing them is more more accurate. Right. I was really surprised. Same writer, same producers, same 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 group of people creating uh, the product. Not not same director. Big not difference. the same director. No, yeah, absolutely not. Carry. It's a big big but, thing. Uh, but the same writer, and like I yeah. said, the same producers, and and I I don't have the trust going, and I think that's what a lot of people are feeling because last season was such a unique experience. It was right. everything that was that about it felt felt foreign and felt special and felt interesting and felt unique. And this uh, maybe it's a function of because it's in L.A. and L.A. is by no means a mystery to any of us here. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's the it's the new cast. But I think that's why people have been a little distrustful of it. They they. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense because it just it it didn't have that it doesn't have that that uniqueness that last season had and uh, and and it's kind of uh, you know season two is a tough thing to pull off I think um, this is this the third episode has been my favorite so far the first ones I wasn't all that into um, you're a communist that, that that is the problem I'm a filthy <laughs> commie bastard right. um, well, well hold on let me let me Ben Ben can I get just really quickly like what where, where you where you are in the show so to catch up on these first two episodes and sort of your your feeling of the show in general yeah my feeling. Like show in general is that the first season of this is the my favorite season of television of all time. And I completely agree. And it's such a unique season, as you said. So, uh, I do think that there's this tone they're trying to establish. Like, there's a lot of these detective tropes that exist in this show, you know, these broken down alcoholic detectives and things like that. Like, it's... I'm wondering if, be, if kicking those tires, that like that old sort of thing that we've seen in, in cop shows... It already feels a little stale to me in this season. Like, I'm very aware of it. It's not necessarily bad. I'm just sort of like, I'm more aware of this season than I was last season. Right. And then the other part of it is that uh, I just don't know... I don't know that this cast can possibly stack up. It's I, like I'm enjoying the show. I'm 50-50 on it. I have a lot of specific thoughts, but okay. my number one feeling is just I'm not as engaged by, by the cast on a yes. like, Fair enough. basic level. Uh, Julian, I talked about this last week. I'm all in on the show. I'm, I'm all in from day one. I, I have my... I have my 
questions about Vince Vaughn. He's turning me. I still have my questions about Taylor Kitsch, which we'll talk about. But he's 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 my only like wink link, weak link in terms of uh, character and sort of where he's going. But you know, I trust Nick Pizzolatto. I trust his writing. I like a good noir detective story. I like what I like the visual template that um, that Fukunaga set in season one. How they try to carry it over to season two. Um, I like what Justin Linden in the first two episodes. Uh, my man, this uh, Danish guy, Janis uh, Peters- Peterson, hmm. who directed this one, I thought he's doing a good job as well. So I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm all in. I'm just I'll, I'll reserve judgment on, on where we are as a full story by episode eight. But I, I'm all in, and Jules, you're in, right? I am. I am like I'm 85 percent in. Okay, I'll give it that. I'll give it an 85 percenter. All right. Uh, well, let's talk about where we are because we're a lot. We know we, we know the story. You know, we've been setting up again. It's you know, uh, it's a story set in Los Angeles. Obviously, not but not the LAPD. It involves the Highway California Patrol. So we have state jurisdiction. You have uh, the Ventura County Sheriff. So you have a county jurisdiction. Then you have a city outside of Los Angeles, probably like a commerce mm-hmm. um, a municipality outside of Los Angeles. So these three different jurisdictions. A story about Los Angeles told around in and around outside of Los Angeles. Three different cops. Uh, coming together to solve one case in a, in a presumably, not presumably, a pretty corrupt city, as, we, as, as far as we can tell. Um, the it, it surrounds a businessman uh, turned, you know, a guy, gangster, gangster turn. turned businessman on his way back to turning gangster, gangster in Frank Simeon, uh, who is who's who's hot on the trail of this of this guy uh, Casper, who's been murdered, who in a bad, presumably in a bad land uh, deal. Uh, that may or may not involve him. There's three cops investigating it. Two of the cops are investigating one of the cops, which is um, Vilcoro. And we're all while this is all happening, we're getting to learn about each individual character and then and unpacking them personally. We're getting to learn more about the city itself, uh, what's happening in the city of Vinci, and getting to learn more about who is behind this uh, murder and the implications it has not only for um, the city of Vinci, but for the state and the county as well. Is that about right? I think so. I think you've done a lovely job summing it up. Okay. <laughs> it's a wonderful summation. All right. So. Well played. Uh, this episode, the big thing of last week was uh, we had the big thing. Colin Farrell was dead. 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 Shotgun blast to the chest, and then a close-range shotgun blast to the abdomen. abdomen. I'm pat myself on the back real fast right here, because I called it from the get-go. You thought, oh, no, 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 there's no way. I mean, close-range. He's not going to survive that. I threw out maybe a vest. I didn't really think about the uh, the riot shells, but still. In fairness, Braswell had gone on on, online to ask our cop friends, is there any way, and they were very emphatic that, no, he's dead. Yeah, but also, then I thought about it. I I said I went over the, uh, the... the teaser trailer, like the Sapruta film, and saw Colin Farrell like in bandages, and I saw him like with no mustache, and I saw him like, oh, he's alive. So then, I quickly went online and amended, like, I knew it, he's alive. Like I said, <laughs> that's what like, I said from the get go. <laughs> just like, go ahead. I was like, I kind of felt like it was a cop out because I, I think I, so too. I, I knew from, I knew from like, cheat. I was like, you guys are all you're doing is trying to make the end of the second episode a big cliffhanger. But like, okay, the first thing I did, I went over to IMDb. He's credited in eight episodes, right? And that's yeah. the, so the first thing is like, guys, if you're going to really try to pull this, you know that that's the first thing anyone's going to do. They're going to see how many episodes has been is Colin Farrell in, and I mean, I guess it could have been flashback or just him in the intro music, and they get away with it like that way. But even so, yeah, I was like, that's a total cop out. And on top of that. I mean the buckshot thing, like that's the same thing from Kill Bill, well, isn't it? That's that's the that's the word, like that's the other big well, major riot shells, yeah. but the same, yeah, same yeah. exact trope. And and why are we using riot shells? I mean, it, it, this is this is the question I got to get into. Why in the hell? Why bother shooting him? 
Why? What's the purpose? Well, it, maybe it, we're going to find out and, as and the thing unfolds. What's the purpose of standing there with your, with your mask on after you light the car on fire? I'm here. And I'm running. That is a little, a little, a little convenient for me, and I hope, I hope that the storytellers uh, uh, have set that up that way to to kind of knock it down because I, far I, too I, smart. I, I, I trust, I I trust so, Mr. Right? Fingers crossed. I'm still waiting for the Joe Sanfilippo TV show that he's going to write. Where he's going to be perfect. <laughs> why, why are you going to be so angry? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not angry. I'm just saying. Are you, did you write the show? No. no? Like, I mean, what, what is the be, deal? What is the deal with the city of Vinci? You I mean, seem to they be can't taking get a better this, name for a city. You know, for, for a guy who's, who hosting, who's hosting a show about a show, you seem to be awful person. Personally invested in this. This is I just a discussion. Oh, it's a discussion. You're right. You have, you have every right to have your opinion. I'm, 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 just, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that. I listen. Thank you. It was yeah. I think it was a little, uh, a little manipulative, if yeah. you say, to have that sort of cliffhanger. But at the same time, um, I you know the, the one of the things that I you know Chris Ryan has read the Chris Ryan review uh, recap, and he just really reminded me that. Season one is set up on the unreliable narrator. We have two unreliable right. narrators the whole yeah. time, so it's just we're seeing this for the first time. We're like listening to Woody. I mean, uh, to uh, uh, what's it? Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Long hair. Uh, you know, Russ Cole. Like all, we have no idea what's going on, and then we're flashing back to a very competent Russ, and then we don't know what's happening from either guy, and and you know. Uh, Woody's telling one thing, but we're seeing another, and it's up to us to sort of figure out what's happening all the way along. And I think that this is a little bit of that too. I mean, it's it, I like the idea of having us, the audience, have to sort of figure some things out or have some mystery, have some things be unreliable. I don't know. I I, I get I get it, but it didn't bother me that much. I'm just happy the guy's alive. Yes. I actually think that's what made season one so special. I think that's what's lacking in this season okay. is is the the two different narrators, the jumping through time, the um, philosophical ways that they were speaking in the car at all times. It just sort of kept you so engaged and always guessing and never really sure what was going to happen next. Um, This, it just feels a little, I I just feel like there's a a level of stereotypicalness. It feels a little too procedurally, procedurally for you. I mean, yeah, I I feel like it's more of a traditional, you know, sort of detective story, if you will. And I'm I'm giving him that. And like, look, if if Lick Pizzolatto came back and did another, like, time as the flat square, flat circle and another, like, mystic, you know, gobbledygook, Red King, like, we'd be all, I mean, you can't do that back to back. I think he had to do something different. Don't you, okay, so don't you guys feel a little bit like they knew the stakes going into the second season, so they're like, we're really gonna have to knock it out of the park. I mean, such to the point that they even have Woody Harrelson and McConaughey, I think, as executive producers on the right. season, yeah. to oversee the tone. I mean, I was, like, noticing there's that scene where you see Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell talking, and he's like, you didn't want to talk on the phone, right? right. Now, in that conversation, at one point, Vince Vaughn says there's a certain stridency to your, to your words, and then, uh, and then Colin Farrell says, I- I'm feeling rather apoplectic, and I'm like... Right. In what world? In what world do people talk like that? I mean, world, that baby. Exact note. I was like, what? like you're a cop, like you're a you're a crooked cop. When have you ever used the word apoplectic? Like, and then from Vince Vaughn, I'm like, I understand you're a businessman, but like, there are far, far, far less like I'm trying really hard to write this way ways to stage that scene where I'm not just watching, going like. I get it, man. You're trying to match the tone and the intensity. Yeah. This just doesn't feel correct. But she would not have second-guessed words uh, like that in the first season, would Not you? at all. Because I believed it from those characters. Right. Mm, okay. I, 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 yeah, I don't <laughs> get that. Go I, I, disagree. I, mean, I disagree. Small note. But well, no, it's, 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 it's yeah. an aesthetic thing, and I totally... I, I disagree because I feel like if you're reading a crime novel... Like, I compare this to, like, these great sort of crime novelists. You're reading a crime novel... Part of, and Nick Pozzolato is... He's a freaking lit teacher. He's a, he's a writer. This guy's a writer's writer. Like, he's a novelist. So, his he lives in 
and dies on his words and the, and the poetry of his words, which is what made season one so amazing. Right. So I expect going into this, I don't care if it's the freaking garbage man talking. I expect sure. some 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 poetic you know yeah. uh, words. So to hear those words, I mean, not maybe Vince bon- Vaughn is not the guy to deliver those words, but that's a different story. But I, I li- I'm okay with the writing. I'm okay with what I'm hearing. I maybe not be okay with who's delivering them. Uh, I'm okay with the tone. Um, I may not be okay with what I'm seeing visually as as as, in, as as I was in season one with Carrie behind the lens, but I'm still buying it all. But, I, but those are those are those are valid criticisms, in my opinion. Joe, you're frowning. I'm not. I know. I was mentioning. Uh, yeah, I was frowning. <laughs> uh, I, I have a tough time with, with, with Vince Vaughn's character in, in general. I think that the writing on it is a little is a little. Uh, it, and the only reason I would even say this is because of how brilliant last season was. Then to to then to have things be uneven this season is is very jarring. I think if it was any other show, we wouldn't even notice. But because we got so spoiled by last season's, uh, I mean, it's brilliant. Last season's the writing, brilliant. though. Yeah, I is think it was. Because the book on Vince Vaughn right now has been like, you know, Nick Pizzolatto has done this great thing. First of all, Nick has wrote and he's written all these characters for these actors. No, I get it. Mm-hmm. But so like he like he really like okay, Vince Vaughn, I'm writing this for you. And so like people were people really in, in episode one like I don't really believe this. Episode two is like okay, I believe it more. Episode three, we're kind of getting it. I feel like I'm trusting a little more, but you're still like off. Uh, on my, it. I guess uh, the things that, that, that leap out at me is that, you know like uh, if, if you if you're a gangster who's become a businessman, then probably the first thing you're going to do is is go through and figure out wh- what am I saying that does not pass muster at the gr- at, at, at the golf course. What are, what am I physically? What, what are the words that I'm using that I'm not to use anymore? And uh, he don't get me. That that's you don't say that. You, that's not how you talk. And Vince Vaughn, frankly, the character he's crafted doesn't speak that way. But those words are still there, and it's, it's jarring when they happen. It, it you know, and there's moments where, and that's when they ring false. When he's when he's got to when he's got to say things that don't that don't jive anymore with the character that he's created now. Does that make any sense? But like, his character's he, also changing. It's no, it, 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 it seems like we're regressing, right? We're going right. back. I but mean, he's, he's regressing to the guy who he was. But you would story never about. be the guy who's standing in the ballroom selling all this this property along this along this route to everybody and talking that way. Well, let, let, let's do this in the next. I'm, I'm, let's, let's get through the, McCarl, the, the Detective McCarl story. Then we can talk about Frank because I want to I get, get through it. Li, li, not linearly, but in the way we're setting it up. So... Uh, Detectives Alive, we have that wonderful scene in the beginning where it's, I, I thought it was wonderful. It's very, you know, we talked about before how that set piece of the bar is very cool. Yeah. It's very, very David Lynchian. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was really like turned up. The David Lynch was super turned up. Yeah, it's it was like, like so well you know, yeah, it's so well so and drive, so Twin Peaks, like had a, you know, uh, Fred Ward. Fred Ward's in a chat room, by the way. Hi, is Fred it really? Ward. Not the Fred Ward, but, you know. <laughs> I love Fred Ward. I a guy named Fred Ward is in our chat room, so I don't know if that's if Fred, that's you. You did a great job in the True Detective last night. But uh <laughs> no, but you know, Fred Ward, his dad, and the great Fred Ward and um and Colin and the sort of mystic thing and there's this really dream sequence and that was the first kind of like real dreamy thing we saw. We had a lot of that last season it seemed. Who was singing the rose? Was that was that was, like a was that Casper? Was that the I don't know. Well, that was Elvis. Who, he, 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 I think he, it was like Conway Twitty. Was that his name? I, think, I thought it was that wait, impersonator. Who, wait, the Elvis guy? Yeah, Conway Twitter. Uh, I can't Conway Twitter? Conway Twitty Twitty. Uh, impersonator. That's what I was oh. thinking. Oh, it was Elvis. You thought it was Conway Twitty? Yeah. Oh, that was so Elvis? Wait, am I crazy? Was Is that... Is, Chat room? I wrote down Elvis out. first, and then I crossed it out. That was so Elvis. I mean, okay, just, anyway. Oh, yeah, it was Bette Midler. Okay. Bette Midler. <laughs> 
But he looked a lot like I forgot who I wrote down who he looked like. I can't remember. But anyway. I, I thought he looked like Casper. I thought he looked like the guy that, that this whole thing maybe, is about. Maybe, oh, maybe that's what I was wondering if I'm the only one who thought that. Yeah, well, that, it could be. That's Although I didn't look it up, and I got lazy. So anyway, I thought that was cool. He wakes up, he finds out he's alive. That was cool. We get that. Uh, we but we get a little bit more into his personal life. We see actually him visit his dad, visit Fred Ward, which was very cool. And I think what we're seeing in in, in Velcoro, which is maybe a little broadly drawn, but we kind of get the whole burnout guy, nothing to lose. I thought that if he did die, because it felt like he was on this redemption arc, you know, um, in in, in season, I mean, in episode two, like he was wrapping things up and coming to grips with things. So if he did die, I was almost okay with that. But now we're going to get to see, hopefully, him go on this real redemption arc instead of clean himself up and try to, like, make things right. But the scene with his dad seemed to be a part of that, which I really enjoyed. We can talk about the scene again with his uh, wife coming back, which I thought was sort of heart wrenching for me in a lot of ways. Was wonderful, and then the scenes with him and Rachel McAdams, and of course the scene with him and Vince Vaughn are the four things we talk about. So, uh, what did you guys think of the scene with him and his dad? What did that, what did that teach you about Ray? Well. I mean, okay, first of all, it was great to see Fred Ward because yeah, I, I feel Fred like Ward. Fred Ward's like his like real heyday was like the nineties. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's great to see him. You know, he was in some some wonderful Robert Altman movies back mm-hmm. then and everything. Um I liked all that. The the one thing with the scene with his dad is like they're working so hard to give us this this tonality of the the weird underbelly of Los Angeles, just like you're talking about the Lynch thing, mm-hmm. the Mulholland Drive feel. Like it's the same feeling that you get in Collateral when they when they go to like I think it's like East LA and he has to go to that weird club with the cowboy hats. Yep. It's like I live in LA and these are parts of Los Angeles that I would never experience personally. It's this weird underbelly. I'm there. That I live in Los Angeles. I go there. I go to those places. Yeah. I, I'm just saying <laughs> like my in, bars. In general, like <laughs> what they're doing is like it, they're just working so hard to give us that, and and it's it's. Success seating, yeah. but it's like, that's that's the whole, like, Louisiana thing you're talking about from season one, sure. so they're trying to replace it with. Sure, and then you mentioned uh, Collateral, because, I, it, it's glad you mentioned that, because, uh, oh my god, my man, um, oh, why am I trying to blank, who directed Collateral? Oh, he, yeah, Michael Mann, loves Michael Los Man, Yeah, Michael Mann, he's a Los Angeles guy, no one, I feel like no one shoots Los Angeles, he shoots Los Angeles the way, you know, of course, he shoots New York, yeah, but right. like, he's, so he's great for, with that, I feel like, uh, um, Nick Pizzolo is trying to capture some of that, you know. Yeah, so there's definitely this there's this LA thing to that. Um and as I said, the the burnout alcoholic father thing, that's exactly what I'm talking about with the the old broken down alcoholic yeah. detective thing. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's it's a truism in in like this in the mythology, sure. like the mythos of detective work. That's like what you always get. Right. You know, and he, even if you want to compare like Colin Farrell as a character to season 1, I mean, I think you would sort of have to say that like he's Woody Harrelson and uh, yeah. McAdams is McConaughey. Well, I, I also think it's cool. I like, but I like the way. I mean, it is kind of a little, a little bit cliche to see that. But I feel like we have to get a sense. <clears throat> there is a sense of like, you know, he comes from a line of detectives. I think what we learned from the Fred Ward character is like he went through the LAPD and went through like he talked about the OJ and the riot time mm-hmm. and went through some of the corruption is- issues that were back then. How the job's hard to do. Uh, it, it, it seems to be like a. Um, a tradition of the job beating someone into submission, him watching his dad go through that, and then him sort of wanting to do the right thing, and then also being beaten into submission. So it feels like two generations, maybe more of redemption that he's carrying on his shoulders, which which is what I got. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Well, you know, it, it's also 
you know, and we got friends who it's it's tough to follow Dad. It's really never easy to follow Dad, especially if he's a larger than life character. Yeah. Uh, as, is, as is your dad, as is my dad, as, self- is, self- as, as is your father-in-law. These are, yes. these are larger than life guys, and they're very very difficult to measure up to right. because they become they they, they almost become uh, they they become their own mythology. It's very bizarre. And and with this particular thing, I think I love what they've done with 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 uh, with Con Farrell's character. I think he's terrific. What I liked about it with with the dad deal is is pointing out you know re- really really giving that 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 point to what LA cops were and what LA cops are now right. and that is a huge difference you and I grew up in it and mm-hmm. you know we saw the difference you've seen the transition yep. and and it's it was not easy and it was it was rough and to see these old guys you can't do it right i think dad says a couple times right you can't do it the right way you right. cannot be a cop the right way and and it's it really it's interesting to see to see somebody kind of struggling within a system that has changed while lionizing his father's way of doing things you know what I mean? Because yeah. you, you got you got to look at, at 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 him seeing dad crack skulls when he was a kid, and that's how you do police work. So obviously that's transitioned that way, but you can't you can't do it as openly as you used to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing that that struggle, that struggle with dad, never good enough. Dad doesn't really care to hear your problems, you know. And and you know the only thing that dad seemed to be interested in as far as him as far as uh, as uh, as Velcro, the only thing he asked about was his son. How's your boy? Yeah. Family. And right. that's it. Other than that, he didn't seem interested. It was, it was actually, uh, I, I thought the scene was a little, was very touching in a way because it's as broken down as the dad was, it was like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And it's kind of like, I got shot, almost died. Here's some weed. Don't throw away the shield. It means something to our family. And uh, all right, I got to go. And it was, in, in a way, it was sort of touching, even though it was kind of like dysfunctional. Yeah. And, but it shows a lot about where these two gentlemen are. We got a little sense it? of his heart, the, the heart of what his character is. I mean, we've seen it briefly with his son. Now we've seen it with his father. And we've seen glimpses of it when he's talking to his ex-wife. And the ex-wife even said last episode, you know, you were a good guy. You were great until something yeah. went wrong. That scene, let's talk about that scene next. So that scene was also very enlightening and heart-wrenching as well. I mean, the one we saw in episode two was really heart-wrenching. We talked about it a lot last mm-hmm. week. It was a great, well-acted scene. Colin Farrell's eyes were just killing us Duh. to death. Uh, you know, it's like we're throwing, we're throwing Emmys at him already, but like, <laughs> but this scene was also great because it was just, it was very sad because it, she's telling him, look, man, I don't want to turn you in. I don't want to like see anything bad happen to you, but this, you're going down and I don't want my family or son around this and neither do you. Do the right thing. Let me help you with some money. Get out of town. And it's, it's a thing that she knows that I can't help you. I can't be around you, but I still love you. So here this is. And he is like, I, this is all I have left. My son, I'm not giving it up. I love you. It's just this, these two things are like impossible. Like he can't move and she can't move. And they're just out there looking at each other. And it's just sad, you know? So I think it was just sort of an interesting thing. And I think she kind of won him over or broke him down. I think he's hopefully will do the right thing and let his son go. But even it's, it's heart wrenching. I don't know what he's supposed to do there. But that scene also is, is, is continuing. And I think what is this redemption arc for him? It's like he's going to figure out a way to do the right thing. How did you read that scene, man? Uh, the two of them talking. I mean, like, he's kind of. He's the most sympathetic character to me in the show, mm-hmm. right? And I, I keep, I think I keep throwing criticisms. I really actually like him a lot. Yeah. He's, 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 he and McAdams are the two that I'm enjoying the I mean, most. I agree, yeah. And I would say he's probably the one, he's definitely the character that I'm watching, and I'm, you know, he's the one that I want to see come out okay in the end. He's kind of the hero of the story for me. Of course. And, and, so, and, and you know he will not. Nick Pizzolatto. Well, you I'm hope just saying, will. like, yeah. you know, he's gonna, he's gonna almost get there, and he, I hope he comes out. Well, okay. we didn't think Marty and Russ would, but they, that's right. They well, hopefully, they hopefully sold out, out in a wheelchair. So, yeah, yeah. we, 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 we thought they were sunset. Yeah, good point. So, uh, you know, he's definitely the one that, that you find to be the most sympathetic, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's doing, he's doing a wonderful job every time they give him one of those scenes, but he's got this like. 
this mad dog. Like, okay, when he kicks the the uh, school, the other kid in the son's school's ass mm-hmm. at, at, at the front. You caught up for a second when he's talking to his wife outside and he sees the guy in the car. There was like a small part of me he's like, is he going to go drag him out of the car? I was like, yeah. there's a little part of me he's like, is he? Because I, I just like, he's just like kind of crazy. He's got yeah. the hair trigger a little bit. And he's on, he's, you know, the redemption arc's happening, but, um, but really quickly to, to jump in just before we move on from it, the scene with his dad that we were talking about, mm-hmm. his dad says one really interesting thing in that scene. I think the line is, no country for white men, boy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's, what I think is really interesting is this season and last season both have this overarching theme of selfish, rich, evil, powerful white males getting away with whatever they want to right. based on status and money. So I yeah. thought that was a really interesting line. I think it's kind of like what Pizzolatto sort of likes to write about the under, like the sort of it's a, it's, a, it's a hidden class thing he you know, writes about. Yeah. So like, here's what's that power. Here's the power behind the power that's fueling the power, and then here are the people down here who are like left to. You know. Yeah. So that, I mean, th- that's just the two Colin Farrell moments. Yeah. Like, th- those are the things I really paid attention to. That, that, like, really got me thinking. Just because there's that scene later when the detective is talking to him. He's like, this is your best man. Not the detective, the mayor. Yeah. And he's just yelling. He's like, I'm going to murder this chick. And she's, you know, walk the plank yeah. and all that stuff. I want to get to that scene, too, yeah. as well. So, I mean, what, Jules, what did you, you guys what'd you think of this? Um, I, I disagree with what you said, that he's going to let his son go. I don't okay. think that he will let his son go. And I think that he will do anything to make him proud of him. Um, whether he is, you know, whether paternity comes out or not, but I think that's at the heart of what his redemption arc is. I think he's doing it all for his son so he can, you know, live up to an esteem in his son's eyes. Whether he has control of his son or custody of his son at any time or not, I think he wants his legacy in his son's eyes to be uh, something that he could be proud of. Cool. Well, you know, and, well, the other thing about the kiddo is, is, you know... uh, I had a, I, I had, a, I had a, my daughter was, my oldest daughter was born when I was very, very young. And you, you also have a, a yeah. couple of daughters when you were I've very got young. twins when I was young. And, and so I think the, the more that, the, the harder it is that you, me too. I mine also. You have yours too, right? <laughs> uh, I, I think the harder it is to have a kid at, at, at a given point in your life, the more, I, I think there's a, uh, there's almost more, uh, assigned to that kid. Like there's yeah. like a, that I had to work so hard to make this happen. This kid is on this pedestal because I had to work so hard to make it work. And when you consider what he ha- we don't know yet, but it's presumably whatever he did to the guys who raped his wife, it's really, really bad. Yeah, maybe. And maybe. Well, maybe. Jules and I have a theory. We don't know if he, if he did anything or not. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe Vince Vaughn Maybe Vince Vaughn did. One right. way or the other, he gave up something. Something, yeah. Something, he, something, whatever he yeah. gave up right. was enough to, to, to make this, 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 this relationship so important to him that he's given up everything else. He's got a mess of a, of a, of a, of a professional life. He's given up his, his marriage, and he will not tolerate a paternity test because that kid's so clearly not. I mean, obviously, duh. So, redhead freckles. Redhead, literally the redhead stepchild. <laughs> yeah. So, oh no! So you know, I mean, I, and it's interesting. I, I think there's no way in hell he walks away from that kid. That's there's, there's just no chance. He's got everything tied up in it. Well, let, let's let's just get in. Let's move on because I want to get to some of the other characters. But I do want to touch on you know in the, in the investigation. There's two other key scenes here, which was his his scene with Frank, which we'll use to transition to Frank. But before that, uh, you know, he and Andy Bizzaretti's doing that, going into the. I'm sorry, him and uh, Taylor. K- well, we'll save that for maybe we'll save that for for Paul. <laughs> the going to the mayor's house. That, that I want to save that for 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 Paul and Andy because that, that 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 we'll tell that scene later. But the results of that scene was him. We talked about him in in, in the Vinci PD uh, with the mayor. Like again, not sober. It's cool. That's all right. <laughs> my, my man acting it up. Uh, not sober at all. And again, shout out to my man. Uh, 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 what's his name? Richie Costner. I love. He's just. I love him so much. Anyway, um, and the other guys. And they're all, again trying to keep the shit in the horse. There, like you know, you're not on this. You're still on this. Colin Farrell. The, the feeling of Colin's like the, 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 I'm trapped here. I want to get out. Take me off this thing. He's stuck. He's like feeling the pressure from Frank. I want to get to that scene with him and Frank because. We finally see 
see the first few times, the first time we see him and Frank, he's a broken man. He's doing the coke. He's drinking the Johnny Walker Blue. He's smoking the weed. And he's really broken. The second time we see him, he's like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not your boy anymore. And Frank's like, you are my boy. Go do it. This time, he's a little, his chest is a little more puffed out. He got shot. But he's <laughs> like, look, man, what am I into? And he's like pushing back a little more with Frank. I think we're seeing, I, I like, I like the sort of the balance of those three scenes, how we see them interact, how they're both, how both these characters are changing. Like Frank's getting a little more pissed, but Velcoro is getting a little more like active. Like he's awake now. Even even then with the water, he's like, "What's with the water?" He's like, uh, "I want to keep my edge." You know what? Blue takes away my edge. I want to stay angry. Oh, you want stay angry? Yeah. Um, I mean, did you any thoughts on that scene? Or well, that's like one of my favorite lines of the episode. That probably is my favorite line. Yeah. Of the episode. Blue just doesn't take the edge off. I want to keep. I want to stay angry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's. I think it's really interesting what you're talking about. Like the the development of their two characters. You know, if we remember correctly, when season one started, the first episode wasn't received like overwhelmingly positive. People were like, it's just, it's very rambly. It yeah. What is this? Same yeah. Thing. Season two, people kind of started to catch on, but it was really episode four is the one where it goes totally nuts. That's yeah. the one where everybody the tracking shot. Yeah. 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 The yeah. six and a half and a tracking so shot. So good. Yeah. So good. And that's, so what I noticed with this episode was that by the end of the episode, uh, I have a pretty clear sense of where McAdams and Colin Farrell's characters are going. I like you, like you said, they're doing a good job with Colin Farrell and making you believe. I know what to expect from this redemption to some degree. Right. The two characters that I don't understand yet are Vince Vaughn and Taylor Kitsch. Right. And what's happening there is like maybe, in fact, this episode in particular, Taylor Kitsch felt like he's poised for the breakout. So right. I'm thinking that next episode, based on some of these confrontations you're seeing. Yep. That's when you're going to really start to see the explosion of, the, of that those two characters, right. which might in turn kind of not save the show, but take it significantly up the mountain for me. I agree, guys. You think you say that those, those, that last confrontation with Vince Vaughn and uh, and with with Frank and. Uh that was a great scene. I think it's uh, a, a moment where we see him trying to finally regain a little bit of control right. over his life. Yeah, I, you know, there's something to be said. Like almost dying does tend to make a lot of people mm-hmm. give, give people some yeah. clarity. And, and I really Frank said that. What happened to him? He got murdered. He got murdered. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. true, right? You know, you realize like, okay, I, I don't actually want to die, right. uh, and I and I do actually care. And the, the cracked ribs. I've had cracked ribs. Yeah. Boy, does that suck? And it he's does. playing that so well. I mean, yeah. everything hurts. Every, he's he, he's doing that, that, that just chase, right. That foot chase was. Oh was man, awesome. the whole time I'm like, oh god, that hurts yeah. so bad. I'm gonna hop that fence. I'm like, oh no, not the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And he, he, he tackled her. I was like, that he's gonna pay for that. Yeah. Oh, is he gonna pay for that? I, I love I love that because if this were in a sort of TJ Hooker, I like a TJ Hooker's chasing a guy and he pulls out the baton and just throws <laughs> it like a little <laughs> right, yeah. like I trips. <laughs> and he never, never pulls his gun. Like Shatner's like full speed, pulls out the baton. Pop! Like, yeah, you know, the shatter pop. The stuff. Now throw. Adrian's a man with the oh, pompadour. No, no. pompadour. Anyway, oh, I'm, I'm, I digress. But this, this, uh, let's, uh, Welcome to the Joe's. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. This is what Joe and I do. Um, I bought it. Point. I, yeah. I, I'm in on, on the cracked ribs, and I'm in on the, on the on the suffering character, and I'm totally in on on the uh, on the idea. Like, hey, I almost died, and I no longer want to die. Right. So I thought that was really great. I enjoyed that. Um, let's. Uh, you know, do we have a live read? We have a live read, right? You want to get this done, Joe? I do. No, sure. no, no, no live read. No, psh, no. no. Drop it. <laughs> live reads. I don't need that. Oh right. my. No. Okay. Okay, let's keep moving. So, Frank, I'll just get into Frank because Frank's the guy who has probably the most interesting arc. I think I listen. Let me just lay this out. I, I like what they're, I like what's happening with the character of Frank. I like what what we're seeing. Obviously, it's the 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 the, the thug turned straight businessman, really trying to get out. Like we talked about this last week, he's, he's doing the Al Pacino, like he's doing the the the, uh, the uh, uh, Don Corleone. Um, you every know, time the, I get, they pull me. Every back time they, yeah. <laughs> they pull me back in, like he's really trying to go straight, and then seriously, his world's crumbling around him. And not only is he in a, a crisis of 
of of uh, like like being pulled back into this underworld. But the the whole thing of like I've set myself up to be this straight guy, and now I look like a punk. Like like you said to this guy, am I diminished? Mm-hmm. Am I diminished? And we see like he is. He's diminished among his among the elite set, the country club set, and these people who who the the city officials who are trusting him financially. Whether it's uh. Uh, what's the, what's the company's name? I can't remember the Catalyst. name. Catalyst, or, or, or there's the mayor's office, or the state attorney, or whatever's going on. And now, like amongst his own guys, are kind of looking at him kind of weird. And we see this, we see this on his his gang of thugs uh, also questioning him as well. So we see this guy's world crumbling. So the idea that he's the, this guy at the beginning, and then he has a slowly but surely creep back into the guy he was, and now we see a guy who's, like, really leveraged, not only financially, but, like, power-wise. He can't, he's having an issue with his with his wife, and he can't seem to, you know, make a baby. Well, not not a problem for you, Joe. Um, clearly. No, congratulations again. Congratulations again, man. I appreciate well, I you, you, know, you know, never mind. Was, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, two weeks ago, everything was cool. I don't know what the hell happened. But, like, he can't seem to make get, get that happen. It's crumbling there. We know what's happening on the on the financial side, because he's leveraged that five-plus million's gone, and now we see him going out and say, well, I've got to go earn this money. I'm going to become a thug again. So he's going out shaking trees, you know, leaning on his construction guys, which is kind of cool. But in that weird, crazy scene where he has to go in and sort of call the guys together, you know, after the guy who's murdered, who I don't know who the hell that was, by the way. Stan. Do you guys know who, <laughs> do, do we know who got killed? Just one of his uh, one, of, one of his dudes who got, yeah. Okay. Was have, we, yeah. have we seen this guy? We yeah, have. I think so. Okay. Henchmen. Okay. So the, the notion that him calling these guys together and he's like trying to do his big, you know, ballsy thing. And, and my man's like, you ain't the big shit anymore. And so, um, I do, I, that was a weird moment where I'm like, wow, he is diminished. But props to Vince Vaughn because he was able to sort of say, okay, really? Let's scrap. You don't take off your rings. Now, whether or not we buy that scene or not, <laughs> whether or not we think Vince Vaughn was convincing as a tough guy, the character of Frank, the character of Frank as a six foot four guy who clearly had some shit back in the day, whoop, whoop dude's ass, pulled out his pliers like a real gangster would. And I thought it'd be more sort of Scorsese. I thought he was just going to give him a bada bing in the head like football people would. But he didn't do that. I'm sorry. That's racist. No! <laughs> I love the Italians. Racist. I thought he was going to do one of those things, but this was kind of cool where he beat him down. Like a good old fashioned beat down, pulled his teeth out and got really gangster on him. So that got that has to earn him some respect and some street quid. But are you first of all, what do you think about the arc of, of this character? Um, and also, what do you think about Vince Vaughn's performance of this character? I'm buying it. I was out episode one. I was fully in episode two. I'm tearing in episode three, but for the most part, I'm buying it. And then, um, do you think do you think the character of Frank is being successful in in, in, in being in bringing back respect? All right, so this is one of the most I'm most passionate about. So uh, you talked about the internet buzz on this show. This is the most polarizing part of the show. Seems to be Vince Vaughn. Everybody has their opinion. So a friend of mine, while I was watching this, texted me, and she said, "I don't believe a word he's saying." Now, I thought about that, and I was like. It's not so much that I don't believe it, like he's not doing a good job with the words or something, Mm -hmm. but thinking about the Vince Vaughn, the dramatic Vince Vaughn that we saw in the 90s, like, you know, he has four or five roles back then that are kind of touted as, like, why he would be able to do this. He's doing about what you saw him do. Like, he, he is exactly doing with this character what I think... If you look at like his track record, you could expect the best job he'd be able to do. And it's not a bad job. It's just Vince Vaughn playing a straight man to some degree. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing that I thought of, though, because I've been kind of complaining about his character this whole time, he's been the least believable part of the show for me. Like, when he's on screen, I'm not sold. He's not driving the show for me. Right. Um, but what I did right here was that, like, 
His unbelievably is juxtaposed against his everyman appeal, and maybe that's why he was cast because he's yeah. supposed to seem a little soft because well, he's Vince Vaughn. Like, well, 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 I will say that I think he's cast. I think he's cast in this way because you're supposed to believe the you want this guy. You want to see this. Oh, this guy's a he's an upstanding straight guy. But then you have to believe at some point that this guy used to be a badass, and that's the part that's kind of weird because we believe that this guy is a as a politician, as a guy who's trying to get things done, as we see in episode one. But the whole op- the whole, believing him as a badass, which we kind of got episode two. I'm like, okay, I buy him as a badass. Mm-hmm. Episode three, we have to see why he's a badass, right. and it started to get a little shaky for me. Did you guess like, it was a little weird that he's like he he's and then he like reaches up and the guy's just like holding the pliers. Yeah. He's like, of course, that's the pliers. We're gonna take his teeth. That, that's that's the only part I have for October one. That's yeah. yeah. But he's like holding. He's just like pliers. And I was he's like, gonna have. <laughs> 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 like, I've, I've been in, I've been in a handful of fights, but I've never brought the pliers with me. And and maybe that, that's, that's my what that's what I was there for. Is that? Pliers, Brad. Right. I'm like, slap. It's not that, ruining the show. We, we did miss you a couple times, and there were no pliers. <laughs> it's not ruining the show. It's just like, so far, and this is what I mentioned in the last conversation, where his character is going to go, he's so full of bluster, you're like, he's he sort of fought back in that moment in the fist fight, right? So you're right. kind of like, okay, he showed what the bluster is coming from, but really, how far can this go? How many how many times can he be like, I'm a bluster, but I still got it, and no one's right. going to just kill me for acting this way? Well, like, well th- th- that's that's kind of the arc. We'll see how far. I guess th- what this is about is how far of a gangster is he willing to be? Because yeah. he's still trying to this line like, look, I'm trying to be straight. I'm only going to go a little gangster. I'm going to lean on a guy. I'm going to lean on my dirty cop, but I'm not going to go full gangster because I'm not a gangster anymore. And now now, even here, it's a beatdown, but it's not full gangster. Eventually, I think we will see him go full gangster again in terms of gangster, which is what he's trying to avoid, which the question is, can Vince Vaughn pull that off? And maybe we're going to think that it's the most transcendent performance of the whole show. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe I, it's like, oh my god, Vince Vaughn, that transformation, what he did? I freaking hope so. I have faith. What are you thinking? I have faith Jules? in Vince Vaughn. I have faith in this character. I, I actually think find him... I do think he's hot. Yes. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, but that's not why I have faith in him. Um, I, do, I have faith in this character as well. I actually find him to be... I find him to be the most sympathetic character. I mean, Colin Farrell, yes, to an extent, but... I, I I don't know what he's doing, but I really feel for him, and yeah. I really want him to succeed. And now to see him go into this complete state of uh, panic in a man who has everything to prove, and that's yeah. all he's ever wanted to do is just prove himself and have a family and own land and go straight. And I really want him to succeed. And now we see him as you know, we see Colin Farrell maybe trying to regain a little control. Frank Semyon is losing all control, yeah. any any grasp that he thought he had. So now he's kind of like circling the drain and grasping at straws and finding the only thing that's ever worked for him and that's reverting back to his gangstery ways. Yeah. And are you buying are you buying you're buying Vince Vaughn? I am. Okay. Not completely, but uh, but I'm I'm in it. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm reserving judgment. And I and I think it's really excellent you brought up some point about this sort of like a, him being sympathetic because I, I feel that. I feel like this is a clearly a bad guy and clearly a gangster and we're, and this is in a story about cops and robbers. We're watching he's the robber and we're kinda like not rooting for him, but it's like I want him to find out what happened to his money. I want him to get that land deal. I don't yeah. want to kill anybody or do anything bad, but I do want him to find out what happened. I do want him to have that railway go through and, and have all that, you know, dirty money, make make our city better. But, you know, and have him have, you know, his kids' kids have, you know, land in Pasadena or whatever the hell it is. But, um, yeah, but he's a gangster. So that's kind of, I, I like that interesting duality that Rhodey's taking us down, you know. Right. And, 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 you know, the same token, you have Colin Farrell, who's a dirty cop, who's done dirty shit, but we're rooting for him as well. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the duality 
quality there that I like. Joe? I, I love I, this. I think he did this last season, too, Nick, Nick Pizzolatto's point of view, and I really enjoy it, that power is power. It doesn't matter who you are. And the, the biggest criminals wear suits, and that is just the truth. The people that run Vinci are much worse criminals than anybody that he had that meeting with in the back room of the club. Those guys are small-time gangsters. And we all looked at that, and we go, we identify because of, you know, of, of our lives watching TV and, and, and seeing good, the good guys and the bad guys. We identify them as the, as, as the gangsters. But the truth is, the whole city's run by gangsters. Right. The mayor's a gangster, so is the head of the, so is the, so is the, the, the head of the police department with his uniform, with his four stars on each side of his, total gangster. So is the, so is the lieutenant. And the hair. And that ridiculous yeah. hair, right? Sweet. They're all so straight good. gangsters. And if we all, we all try and pretend that, that this is not, that, I love that this show does that. Like, like these are just, this is one set of gangsters, this is another set of gangsters. Now here's this guy trying to move from this set of gangsters over to this set of gangsters and he's getting lost. He made a mistake. Somewhere along the line, his way of communicating, he got screwed. And and that's to me that's the interesting thing. He's the liminal character, right? He's straddling these two different groups of gangsters, right. and and I mean that's really what's happening. And and I I love that he's got to go lean back on these guys to figure out who screwed him over here on this side. But the bottom line is, it, it is either way they're criminals on that, both sides of the equation. That's, that's and a, I love that. Yeah, that's that that's a great good detective story. That's Chinatown. That's all these wonderful detective stories. That's because, because it's real life. Yeah, it's real life. So, and then, and then, like you say, didn't true detective. But that point of view of like, look, I got to deal with these guys over here who are criminals, or these guys over here who are criminals. I'm a criminal, but you know, hey man, I'm just trying to make a, make a way. Like I got to deal with these guys or these guys. So there's something to that. I guess that's probably what makes them a little sympathetic. So. I don't know. Well, I, and I'm buying it so far. Uh, we'll see where it goes. We'll see how this Frank journey ends. Uh, like I said, maybe it'll be this super, you know, transformative performance, and we'll all be throwing Emmys at him too. But we'll see. Uh, and, uh, and, and one more thing to add: I bought him in that scene. I like that. I enjoyed. Okay. I enjoyed him. You keep the rings on. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, on, Mikey, I, let's I, it let's go to fight. Me, Your money. Like there was. Well, it seemed to me like there was. There was a. <laughs> I, I, and I think you brought this too. And I think you brought like a like a. You know what? This I understand. Right. This I get. This I know. Right. I don't have to try and figure this out. Right. I absolutely know how to do this. Yeah. I like and that too. and I enjoyed that. I it seemed I to me like he, he got to he got to be. Uh, he I got mean, to he's six four. He's a big dude. So he's I, big dude, yeah. I, I believe that. He's he's taller than six four. I met that guy a couple times. I've met him a couple times. I'm six four. You're six four. He's bigger than you. Bigger than me. I think he's six five. I'm pretty sure. I think he's six five two forty. But I'm six four. And a half. <laughs> All I know is I was looking the dude in the eye. But keep your pants on. We I, that kind of I do want to add one one quick yes, thing because yes, I know we have no, to move on. But no. um, speaking about Vince Vaughn being a sympathetic character, I think it's it's interesting that so many of our antiheroes in these great stories, these crime stories that we relate to so much. It's like you have to be able to relate to them as a person who is not a criminal, right? Right. So, because we all we all look and we go like, if this guy's just a sadistic psycho, like you can't relate to a psycho, right? Yes. But you can relate to someone who you're like, well, you did what you had to, this kind of code of honor sort of thing within your community to get where you are now, and now you've got to leave all of this because you're in your own mind. You're like, if I was a criminal and I saw the opportunity to turn straight and be rich doing it, I would do that. I'd stop killing people. I'd stop getting in fistfights, and you see him losing it and it's slipping away from him. And as a person who like. You're like, if I had to do that to survive, I would do that. Right. You're like, I can relate to that. I can see why your life is so shattered, yeah. losing this beautiful thing you felt like you scrapped to be able to build and have to go back to this thing that presumably the ethical part of you hated anyway. Right. You know what I mean? That's like the, the, the sympathetic part and of it. That's this like, is why you cast Vince Vaughn, presumably, because he's already in, he has that embedded in him. Like, this is a guy who I believe who could be a guy who yeah. I could get behind. So let's go that. And, you know, props to his wife for giving the, the great line, the line of the uh, show, which is S your own D. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I thought was cool. Threw oh, the cup cool at him. Too. I don't like people think God that thing's empty. 
Do you wonder, as a character, do you wonder if he feels Uh like he's walking away from something that is ethically questionable into something that is ethically not questionable any longer? I mean, is that is that kind of what he's doing? Is it is it the is it Chekhov? Is it the three sisters? Is it once we get to Moscow, everything's going to be okay? Is it once he gets over that hump and he gets that land, is everything ethically okay at that point? Do you think he he thinks in those terms? That's the whole. This is the whole going straight thing, right? Like, I mean, it's all there's different levels of shit, right? Except power is power, but like at a certain point, like well. At least this is. At least I'm doing it legally. At least um, this I'm legit, even though it's still you're walking away from one set of things. But it, it's it's a, it's a different level of unethical so, behavior. But at least it's a clean unethical behavior. Well, th- th- so this is my question, and this is and then this and will we be move on after this. This will be the arc question. Is it is it a because to me there's no difference if if you're if you're a racketeer or you're a racketeer or if you're a gangster or you're a gangster. Either way, if you're getting involved in a land deal that's exclusive that you, you're cheating everybody else out of and you're using eminent domain to take somebody else's property and you're buying it at a discount. That's unethical. You're stealing. Yeah. So to me, the question is: I mean, the whole city of Vinci is built. built absolutely right. Like so, so the question is: as a character, right? If the character arc is coming to is, is the idea is that he's been trying to get to quote unquote legitimacy. Is it a question of just not having to look over your shoulder anymore, or is it really a question of getting to an ethical, ethically better place? These are these are the open questions that Nick Pizzolatto's asking in this book. I mean, um, like Richard McAdams touched on that by the city of Vinci, like built. You know, it's built on these these people who commute here to keep this place going. It was. You know, uh, during the suburban flight, everyone left. The, the the big companies came in to get cheap labor. What is it? Was it uh, um, legalized uh, labor? It was sweatshop, sweatshop economics. economics. Yeah. So like, this is kind of what kept keeps our city going. And the people who are behind that, the guy behind the guy, and these guys aren't aren't the most ethical people, but they're the most upstanding people in our community. So is that what, what, what is good, Joe? I don't know. That, that, well, that's my question. Well, right? It's an open question. So, is the art going to be that him realizing as he goes along that, that that there was no there was no such thing as getting quote unquote straight? There was just a matter of having less shoulder less less people behind you that can stab I you. I think it's just fun you're just more it. insulated, and it's less likely you're going to get shot. Well, in a that's car what I'm saying. Yeah, so, so, so it's not an ethical question at that point. It becomes a question of, of comfort, a question of, of of safety, but it's not really a question of ethics because ethics means you're not looking over your no. shoulder at your money at all. No. You feel good about having made your money. That, that's not, that, does that make any sense? It yeah, makes yeah, sense. No, I got it. I got it. It's a yeah. good point. But we, but we have to move on. <laughs> we, we, we go down that road all day long <laughs> because it's a good question. We can discuss yeah, it more it in the chat fair. rooms um, and on, online. But let's talk about Paul Woodrow because this is also for me a, a polarizing character. This performance of kids we talked we touched on her earlier. I mean, this guy. I, I said it last week. This is the one guy in the in the series who is not self aware. Like everyone else seems to know. Like man. I got problems. It's yeah. I got problems, but I got problems. Leave me alone. Like everyone seems to be aware. All three of the other characters. He's the guy who's like, I got problems. I know I have problems, but so what? You know. And I'm sorry. I got problems, but I, I'm sorry. His character is. I don't know that I have a problem. Why is everyone bugging me? I'm just trying to live my life. Get off my back. When it's so clear to the audience that he's repressed, he's got PTSD, he's, you know, repressed homosexuality, he's got some issues, he's got mommy issues, clearly. So we see a little bit that, you know, in this episode, um, we get a little more backstory as to, uh, you know, maybe talk to, talking to one of his buddies on the, uh, Black Mountain, uh, crew, uh, and seems like it wasn't just Black Mountain, it was probably a little more Brokeback Mountain, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. Joe Flippo. Uh, and, um, so that, no, <laughs> you and I had some long nights. Like, <laughs> that camping, that night camping. Anyway, you imagine how much of that. One. I just, I just, I just want to out us all. Like I don't believe you. Anyway, so I no. fear for my personal safety. <laughs> He's a big man. You're drunk. Uh, no. But yeah, so I mean, so clearly the, yeah, there's a, there's a wonderful three days that happened. You know, out there, got it. There's one more wonderful three days that happened. Uh, 
you know, out there for, for, for one of the guys. He's still fighting it. Um, we saw his fully angst repression when he's, uh, you know, working that, working that, uh, that, that CI, working the, the, the gay guy at the, at the, uh, about the, the club. club. Right. When he goes in and he sees Vince Vaughn, and Vaughn gives, I believe Vince Vaughn there, like, when he bumped him, he's kind of like, get off me. And then, uh, as he's sitting there talking to the two gay guys, and they're talking about sex, he's just like, throwing back the shots, completely uncomfortable. Um, even in that scene where he, where they, uh, we worked that, that scene with Rich McAdams, he's full of this angst. He's the most, to me, he's the most sort of cookie cutter drawn character, and I'm very curious to see, alright, I get it, the guy's repressed, he has PTSD, what now? Like, what now with this guy? Like, that's where I'm at with him. I'm, I'm the most frustrated with this character because I'm like, all right, I get it. I mean, where, where are you? Well, I will keep it very brief because then we have to move on. But uh, basically, I I think that the use of good-looking characters in detective shows is, is always super, super, super interesting because when you put like a clearly very handsome dude in a role like this, you're like, okay, you're there's a point here. The audience is supposed to pay attention to the fact that you're good-looking, and it's nice that in the script they're poking fun at it. Yeah, he, they keep making reference yeah. to it, so it's obvious that we're supposed to notice that. But it, it is like weird when you cast like a you know a model as like that. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road. But yeah. nonetheless. Uh, you know that is is very interesting to me, and then also um, having been a huge Friday Night Lights fan, yep. which is like that's his major claim to fame is is Riggins. There's like a whole arc that character where he comes Don't off like John a, Carter, yeah, like a very traumatic <laughs> experience, and he gets you know he gets and then he's a very dark character who rarely explodes, but when he does, and that's I guess what you see there when he when he explodes at that guy from Black Mountain. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's Broke the character. Yeah, that's the that is the character that I'm expecting to see the, the most. Like he's sort of an enigma right now, right. and I think you are going to see the most like interesting development because I don't think they're going to keep him cookie cutter. I think that's intentional. Well, that, that that's what I'm. That's why I'm, I'm again. I trust Nick Pizzolatto. We're three episodes in. I'm like, I know who this guy is now. He doesn't know who he is. We know who he is. So what's going to happen? I mean, you know. So we'll see. No, I agree. I feel like there's more. There's more left uh, to develop. Um, I don't know what it is yet, yeah. but I have faith that it's going to be awesome. And he's going to boil. <laughs> look, he's going to boil over at of some course, point. But then what, happen, what, what does that going to mean? End? How does that relate to the story? Yeah. And what does that mean, Joe? Well, I mean, yeah, I think you guys are all right. I mean, I obviously, has to take a, a pill to, to get it on with a, what I think is a very attractive woman. Because mm-hmm. gay. Because that, that, she doesn't have a yeah. Yes, I know. Um, I didn't need a pill back to the camping site, Joe. Oh, <laughs> Just neither did you. Sore thinking Limited about time. Limited time. People. <laughs> so, uh, I, and I like the smirks from the gay prostitutes. They clearly know something's going on. Yeah. They, they're clearly, you know, like mm, I loved that character. right. There's something yeah. about yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was really well there done. There was a bit when Lonnie said something like, "Oh, you like have you?" Like, like, uh, like, like, "Have you ever been there?" It was. <laughs> it was. Like, it, was no. it was. It was well done. And and I, you know, I think you're right. I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how it pops off. See where this all goes. Um, I, he doesn't bug me. The only thing about him that bugs me is the idea of the state going. Okay, the 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 Ohio Patrol motorcycle cop is now going to head up an investigation. Here it is. Well, like yeah. that that bothered me from jump, but that's not. But, you but, know. He, but, but he's a black mountain guy. He's a black ops like you know contracted guy. They know this guy's got the goods. He's got the skills. And he found he's the body. A, and he found yeah. the body. And he's the guy with all the backdoor skills. No pun intended. Jesus, I said that. And uh, you said quite a bit. <laughs> the backdoor skills. Why did I say that? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, anyway, so let's move on. I, okay, uh, Annie, Annie Bizzaretti's, Uh We didn't really get much of her this, this episode. We got a cool scene with her and an old dude from episode one who Steve. wouldn't do the Steve, oh, Steve. who wouldn't do the wouldn't uh, unquestionable. Yeah, wouldn't get kinky with her. Uh, that was kind of a cool scene. Yeah. And again, I believed her when she when he's getting on her face and she's <laughs> looking up at him and is like, "What do you say? I'll, I'll, if you do that again, I'll." Uh, you'll have to take your teeth, teeth home in a little baggy. Yeah, I believe her. I'm like, she's Rock gonna whip this dude's ass. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And she, I, you know, look, and he did, 
And I love that scene. I love everything about it. it says everything you know about her and the workplace. I think um, she's fantastic. Oh, I could watch her do nothing, really and yeah. I believe her doing it. I believe hundred percent. And also, we talk about like you know. I was nervous about her too, and I was like, really, no, that tiny little on. thing. She's I don't great. know. I've never seen. I, has she ever done a character like this before? No. I mean, I, I I wanted her to succeed, but I wasn't sure if it was going to work. But yeah. I am in it. Yeah, me too. I'm in it. I can't wait for her to be on screen every single it. time. She's very good. Um, yeah. The what? Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, she's great. But what we did, but the one thing I do love about these characters, again, we talk about these broken, broken detectives who are also extremely competent. So what you can see with Rachel McAdams with Andy Bizzaretti's is she's broken, but she's extremely good at her job and she's extremely competent. So I love these scenes with, uh, you know, her and, um, you know, her and, and Velcaro talking and sort of talking, you know, talking through this case. Her, we can see her a little bit of her and Woodrow in the car together talking through some stuff, a little bit of personality there. I was going to ask about this thing. I do think this is going to be a bad exposure for you if you do mm. the job. But I got to, we got to touch on the scene when they go in and question the mayor. Like, the mayor, the mayor is living. Well, how's this guy living? I'm the mayor. I live in Bel Air. I got, I got my son up there who's multiple accents, like throwing, you know, chicks off the pool. I've got, you know, a uh, girl making a collage downstairs, some Russian broad. Like I'm married that Russian bride. That, that's my yeah. wife. That's my wife. That mail-order bride, clearly. He's very proud of me. It, 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 the house is a complete goddamn disaster. Empty bottles of goose and everything else. Everyone goes, was there a party last night? She's like, no. no. <laughs> like, what do you mean? It's yeah. not for party. Why you say stupid this is, a, this is a Tuesday. <laughs> I wear twenty thousand dollar dress and the whip. It's all belong <laughs> for my what did you say? for my eyes. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. medicine for eyes. Yeah. Like, that doesn't. I don't think that that's for the. All right, yeah. uh, but I loved all of that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, mayor. I, you know, mayor's dirty. Mayor's, mayor's a straight criminal, man. So, He's a straight you thug. Know, um, I, that that scene was great. I don't know. Any any, any, any thoughts on on Annie? Because because I, I do want to touch that. You know, Paul. One thing we didn't touch with Frank is he. Uh, with, with the scene with the, with the Russian cat, and he's like, it came to him that, oh shit, like, wait a second, maybe he's the guy, like, the, someone's out yeah. to get me, maybe right. someone's out to get me, and who's that person? So, that opens the door to, again, all the, the, the Vinci, <clears throat> city of Vinci, opens the door to a lot of enemies Frank may have made, so, but what do you think, what do you think, Annie? What's going on there? Well, she's, so she's McConaughey in this season, in, in the sense that you said, like, this broken person with an, inc- who's incredibly competent, right. and she also, the, in, in terms of, um, her demeanor being so consistent, just like his was for the most part in the first season, she's so rageful all the time. The way that she handles everything. The way that she deals with with, uh, uh, Colin Farrell. The way that she's so unsympathetic. Like, she just says what she thinks. The way she deals with the guy, you know, the cop that comes by, he's like, let's get dinner. Like, she is so consistent, and it's so believable to me. Yes. Um, she's definitely the one where I'm like, you're taking my expectation of you as an actress, which is already pretty high, and you're just totally blowing my mind. Like, she's just electric. She's right. she's really stealing the scream whenever she's on and it. And that foot chase, I believed her. She was great, that foot yeah. chase and all that. And go, go ahead. No, Did I was any just thoughts? Right. No, I'm just saying, do you want any thoughts on, on, um, on Annie? Oh, no, just that I love her. Okay, I love her, too. <laughs> She's doing I great. still love her. Joe, anything else? I, I, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love the, sexuality, uh, the sexuality aspect of her. I really think that's, that, that really gives him so much to work with, and it really it, it, it informs the character so dramatically. Because I, I had a friend in college who was that way. Mm-hmm. She was just, she'd love him and leave him, and these guys would just walk broken. Yeah. And, she would, and she'd do it in front of people, too. Like, why are you you're humiliating yourself? Go away. Ugh. And, you, and I, So I've been the other guy, I've been the other cop, you know, the 
other guy in, in, that was in the cubicle. And I'm like, that's a tough spot. And you oh. see these guys just like uh-huh. slink tails between their legs, like, oh, dude. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it, it really does. Uh, and whatever is going on is is uh, is deep, and we'll figure that out eventually. And I'm really curious what that's going to be because that's um, that's a slightly abnormal behavior. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So is putting knives in your belt buckle. Can, yes. Yeah. <laughs> love her. Love the character. Love what she's doing. Can we just agree? I mean, I, can we, I know we've talked about where this is going and not a lot. Nick Pizzolatto and, and Joe's got a problem with the writing and all this stuff. Got a problem else. with the writing on one character. Don't make the whole thing. <laughs> but, I mean, can we just, you know, I'm going to just respond to say how awesome the show is. I mean, as three episodes in, like the world he's created, like you have to create this world, you have to establish these these four interesting characters, one of them a gangster, and establish this world and then put a murder at the center of it, of the center of it to be solved, and lay this all out, and that, like three episodes in, I mean, I'm, just like just like True Detective season one, I'm intrigued and enthralled. Yeah. Like, I have no idea where this thing is going. Just like season, I mean, can you imagine, remember last uh, year when we got through one through three, and we're like, what the hell is happening? And then we got to four, we're like, okay. oh my god! And then by episode five, we had a whole other show. Like, and it's like, whoa, what's happening now? Like, Ugh. I mean, I just, I, I just, I'm very excited about the possibilities of the show, which will bring us to predictions. Which will bring us to predictions. predictions. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. 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 Uh, I do want to shout out some of our YouTube and iTunes folks because everyone's been wonderful. Uh, Tobias, I, I don't know why you bother uh, with the drop in. Mohair, to, to, uh, uh, let's see, Ben, I'm going to mispronounce everyone's name. Uh, Bevrosity, uh, Nicholas Romani, uh, Jacob Starr, Joe Klein, Jason Kindle, um, uh, Vince, uh, David Weiss, thank you, uh, Nina. Nesla Poldori, this is, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm screwing these up like Nando would. Uh, C. Maragalli, I don't know, I'm sorry everyone. And, um, for those of you who are watching right this very second, watching us live, I want to shout you guys out. Uh, Fred Ward, as I mentioned, Brian Lindsay, uh, Mark, uh, I know, Joe Johnson, my boy Joe, director Joe Johnson, and actor Frank Ward in the chat room. Fred Ward. Um, I don't know. Ill Will. My man Ill Will. He's a DJ for uh, Dougie Fresh, I believe. David X. Uh, the Howling Fan Dudes. And all you guys who are watching right now, all of you guys, thank you so much for tuning in live. We appreciate you. Thanks for all for, for, for watching um, us on YouTube and listening to us on iTunes. We are still one of the top ten shows in After Buzz, and it's all because of you, so thank you very much. That's so cool. And, and also on iTunes, yeah. please continue to, to rate us. Uh, Joe likes fives. I'll take fives, too. But if you can rate us on iTunes, helps other people follow us. We have five episodes less, but you know we're doing pretty well. And thank you very much for all of your support. Now, Julia, what's your prediction? Predictions. Um, so I think we're going to get a little bit more out of Woodrow, and I think it will come to a head in a couple different ways. I think maybe Annie might try to put the moves on him mm-hmm. to no avail, since she has a pretty sexual character, and she's already commented about how good-looking he is and whatnot. Um, I also think we didn't really mention that Velcoro's, uh, yeah, Velcoro's partner is following Woodrow. And I think um, he saw that exchange between he yes, and his black mountain guy. Yeah. So I think he's going to expose him. Mm. And I think that will lead to Woodrow's explosion. We also didn't mention, which is worth mentioning, the, the scene where we had we had all, all, the, all the departments check in. We had the scene where, where, where um, Velcro checked in. They kind of gave him the business, make sure to steer, this, steer it one way, make sure you're doing this. We also had the scene where 
um, the states, the county people were like, you know, yeah. flirt with the guy. You don't have to f him, but you know, do something. Thank you, like you know, I didn't put this in a memo, but you know, there might be a promotion in for you. Yeah, and she's not really great. reacting well to that, which is kind of, which I think is kind of mm-hmm. cool. But um, I don't know, Joe. I just wanted to mention that because we forgot to mention that. Uh, you know what? I don't know, man. I, I really that this I, this is one of the things I like about his show is I don't. Like to have predictions. I, I, you know, I, I think That's that a cop out. I know. But so on our okay. show, we <laughs> so, okay. have predictions. Okay, so for, for I think Frank, I think Frank that, that we're going to run into the, one of the people going after him is the Russian, but I don't think he instigated it, and I think it's going to be tied into the mayor and the mayor's Russian wife. I think that I don't think that's going to oh. be. Uh, I think that's not going to be an, a stone that's left unturned. I think that the mayor's son is much more interesting so far than much more interesting than we're than we're being led to believe so far. I think that he's going to be a much bigger player than, uh, than than we think at this point, and uh, I. I I see Taylor Kitchen drag at some point or another oh, during no, the course of the really? show, and I don't know why, but I have it in my weird. brain. Okay, that's I'll tune into that. I'll watch that. All I'm right. just saying, right. it's 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 in my mind. Yeah. They had long hair, Tim Riggins. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Um, I think the next episode is the big episode of the show. I uh-huh. think it'll be next episode, and then seven and eight will be the biggest ones. And I think that. Uh, one of the four main characters in next week's episode is going to do something they can't come back from. So if that's if that means that Vince Vaughn kills someone and it's now there's like another murder rap, or if it means that one of them dies, like something drastic is going to happen to change uh, where we're going in the story. Because it felt like this was the this was like as far as the sort of like vague. These are the stakes and these are your characters can can go. I right. think that I don't think that he's just going to this. To some degree, almost felt like a, like a filler episode relative to like what some of the others do. And next one will not. Next week will be the big one. Okay, I uh, I I, have, I got a weird feeling where I thought that uh, clearly we're setting up for Rachel McAdams and Vilcoral to sort of really team up in an earnest way. That I mean, she already kind of trusts him, and and he's already kind of turning as well. I think he's going to come clean. She's going to believe him. They're going to really team up to sort of really genuinely solve this thing. What my prediction is is that we're dealing with a larger force outside of Vinci. We're dealing with a larger force outside of solving this thing. Whoever whoever killed um, Casper is maybe is the Russian. Maybe there's a larger, larger force and larger picture out there that's in the state side. So I think that you may have an unlikely union between the two detectives, uh, Vilcaro and Desiretis, and Frank Vince Vaughn. I think that like in a weird way it may come back to they're on the same side. And like Frank may be having working with the detectives to get whoever the bigger person is. I feel like that Frank's the gangster now and he's doing gangster shit now. Uh, but I think that somehow those three the, 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 the detectives and Frank's interests will be aligned against the city of Vinci and against whatever is this larger force is. That's kind of what I think. The, the higher power is always the bigger man. And Taylor Kitchen will be over here. I don't know where the hell. <laughs> I, I don't know where Taylor Kitchen's going to be. I don't understand him yet, but we'll see. That's my prediction. Um, I think that's all we got. I don't know. That was a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, we, we packed all right. We got, we got an hour and three minutes in. Yeah. Joseph San Filippo, Salvatore yeah. San Filippo. Where can the people find you? Uh, on the Twitters at Joe Filippo. J O E F L I P O. Julia Carley. Uh, on Twitter and on Instagram with my name, Julia Carley. J U L I A C E A R L E Y. Yes. Uh, ben Bateman, you guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah. Was, this oh, is awesome. I'm so excited about my favorite show. So. I'm glad you're here. Uh, and you can find me Joe, at Joe K. Braswell on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. You can also find me uh, here at AfterBuzz doing Hannibal with these guys, yep. minus Ben, um, plus Dula. Uh, Divided by the square well. root. That's all I got. Um, what? All right. <laughs> thank you so much for watching us, and thank you so much for listening to us, and we'll see you next week. Woo-hoo. Boom. 
from executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.